the sixth chapter, Matthew chapter six. Thank you again for being here. And um, you know, we've, we've got some folks that are usually here every time the doors are open that are, and understandably so, worshiping with their mothers uh, this morning at a different uh, location in the body of Christ. And so uh, we bless them, amen. I, I appreciate you notifying me and letting me know so I wouldn't be concerned um, about you, know, you, but uh, amen, we're honored that you are honoring your mother uh, this morning. Praise God. Now, Matthew, the sixth chapter, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye, if therefore your eye is good, um, and think single is, is what it literally means. Um, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye, if your eye is bad, and bad here means uh, like double vision, or your vision is distorted, you're not seeing clearly, you're not seeing things as they truly are. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, I want to take a minute to review just a, a couple of key points. And we began at the beginning of this year, uh, <laughs> we began at the beginning of this year, obviously, but we started at the beginning of this year with, with an idea of, of God desiring, Father desiring to uh, affect a significant shift in our lives this year. And he began to speak to us about that. And one of the things that we've said over and over again is you were never meant to live in the world with the view of the world that comes from the world. How you look at things in your life is critically important to your life reality or, or how you experience life. And we were never meant to live in the world with the view of the world that comes from the world. We're supposed to be in this world but not of it and to look at this world and our place in it from heaven's perspective, not this world's perspective. And so early on in the study, and I'll just remind you of this because it's pertinent to what we're talking about this morning, the way we look at things determines how we experience them. And we looked at a, several different places in the scriptures to support this, but one that I think was most significant um, is that the scriptures say we do not grieve like those who have no hope. So certainly when someone close to us passes, um, we, it causes us to have sorrow, but the Bible says because of who we are and the hope that we have in Jesus, we don't grieve or sorrow like those who have no hope. So again, how you view the passing of someone that you love to the next life, amen, has a lot to do with how you experience that. And so, again, the way you look at things determines how you experience them. Now, the verses that we read here in Matthew 6 go a long way uh, from Jesus to explain these things to us in greater detail. And what Jesus is doing in Matthew 6, 19 through 23, really, it, it goes all the way down in, into, uh, what, 30, verse 34. We're not going to try to bite that big chunk off this morning. But he is connecting several important things together, things that powerfully influence our daily lives and the way we experience life, what I call your life reality, here upon this earth. And so, again, some of this is review, some of this is going to be new, so just stay with me. Light is the ability to see things as they truly are. Remember that now, that's important. 
Light is the ability to see things as they truly are. The Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world, and he came to people who were sitting in darkness. And they had sat in darkness so long that they thought darkness was normal. They thought darkness was light because they didn't just sit there. They got up every morning and went to work in darkness, believing that what they were seeing, what they were seeing was and is the way things truly are. But we know, of course, that Jesus brought a different perspective, did he not? Jesus gave us a, a different way of looking at things. Can somebody say amen to that? And, and Jesus' way of looking at things is how we are all meant to look at things. It wasn't just that he was, you know, don't try this at home, boys, and, and, and doing these things, you know, just to amaze us and wow us, but he was setting an example for us to look to, learn from, and follow. Now, if light is the ability to see things as they truly are, darkness is the inability to see or the inability to see things as they truly are. Now, there are some things we're going to come back, and it's, it's going to take a lot of time, and, and I don't want to devote the time to it this morning, but I put Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 back up on the screen, and what Jesus is talking about, notice first he talks about laying up for yourselves treasures on the earth versus laying up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And he goes on to explain that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, what he's saying here, and, and I want to try to phrase this differently so perhaps it'll help you see it more clearly. Where your treasure is, there your focus or we could say your attention, your thoughts, your interests, your imaginations, your plans, and your hopes will naturally follow. When you lay up, let's just talk about laying up briefly in, in general. What does it mean to lay up? If you've ever saved money for, let's say, you wanted to buy a, a new car or another car, or a different car, um, hopefully, you know, some of you in here are putting some money back for retirement, okay? Let's, let's talk about no one in this room, but somebody who is not putting anything back for retirement. Do you think that person is looking forward to retirement? No, they're dreading retirement. They would rather me not even say the word, right? But if you have, you know, been preparing for that, so laying up means sacrificing today for something in the future, Something that, watch this now, something that you're looking to in the future. And so when we, you know, let's say you want to go on a nice vacation and, and, and you save two or three years to be able to go to Europe or, or, or whatever, you know, has been in your heart to do. The more you lay up towards that, the more you look to that. So don't get so confused or try to, you know, overthink this. When Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, he's saying, you know, what you've invested in, what you have, you know, skin in the game, you know, in, you're naturally going to look to that. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's something that you will naturally follow. So let me say it again. Where your treasure is, there your focus will be. There your attention will be, your thoughts will be, your interest will be, your imaginations, your plans, your hopes. All of these things naturally follow they naturally follow, right? Um, 
you know, where your treasure is, what you have laid up for, what you are looking to. So from all this, we've come up with these two simple phrases. Where you lay up, you look to. See, Jesus is saying for us to look to heaven, but we're not ever going to look to heaven if we don't lay up treasure in heaven. Let me, let me see if I can, I'm spending a little more time here than I plan to, but maybe we just need to slow down for a minute and do this, okay? Um, anybody in here uh, know somebody that keeps the stock market on their cell phone? Okay, all right, well, guess what? I would just about guarantee you that the person who keeps the stock market report on their cell phone has money invested in the stock market. In other words, they, they have laid up money so they have a vested interest in how the stock market performs. And so because of that, they look to that report each day to see how their investments are faring. Are you seeing this? Now, I would just about guarantee you that if you do not have any vested money in the stock market, that you don't even listen to the reports when they come on the news or in the newspaper or whatever. In other words, you don't have that app on your phone. Are you, are you, you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? I want you to try to see this. So this is the point that Jesus is making. Because the ultimate idea is that, you know, where we lay up, we look to, and then what you look to becomes the lens you look through. You see how he's connecting these things together. Let me say it another way. You're not ever going to have a view of this world that comes from heaven if you don't ever lay up treasure in heaven because what you, where you lay up is, is where you look to and what you look to becomes the lens that you look through. Amen or oh me, are y'all still with me? So again, light is the ability to see things as they truly are. A good eye then is one that sees clearly with no distortion. And for something to be distorted, it means to, to be misleading. Or one definition of distortion is to give a false account or impression of. Now, there are so many examples in Scripture that we could go to. The one that we've been going to here recently is the ten of, of the twelve spies that Moses sent into the promised land. Right? They came back and they gave a misleading. Their report to the people was distorted. Now, you know, level-headed, rational people would say, that wasn't a distorted report. They just gave them the full story. They gave them both sides of the story. They said, yeah, it's a land that flows with milk and honey, but, but there's also giants there. They outnumber us. They're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. They're more militarized than us. They're more organized than us. And there is no way that we can go in and possess the land. Now, we think that's just, you know, giving people all the facts so that they can make up their own minds, right? And that's how the world works. That's how the world reasons. That's how the world comes to you know, decisions and, and, and charts a path forward by this kind of reasoning. And we've got to have all the details. We've got to have all the facts if we're, if we're going to make right decisions. Except for God said the ten spies brought back an evil report. And their report was evil, number one, because their report... Their report put facts alongside truth as being equal. It was a fact that there were giants in the land, but the truth that came from God's lips was, go up immediately, I have given that land to you. 
which means there's only one correct way of looking at this situation, and that is Joshua and Caleb, let's go up at once. Let's go up at once and take it. But now notice how the ten spies, they, in the name of giving the people all the facts, they caused the people to see the promised land in a misleading way. They misled the people. Are you seeing this? They, they distorted, they gave them a false impression, one that wasn't true. We found out the truth later when Joshua sent two spies into the land, and we find out that for 40 years, then people have been in dread and terror of the day that Israel decided to come in and take what God had given them. That was the truth. So when we are talking about a good eye is one that sees clearly with no distortion. Darkness is the inability to see or the inability to see things as they truly are or darkness would just simply to, to, to have a distorted view of something that God has already made abundantly clear. Where God has said it's this way, remember the difference now, let's go back down this road. Facts and truth are not the same thing. Facts are facts, but facts are subject to change. Amen. Fact is, you know, I've got on a blue blazer right now. But it won't be a fact about 1.30 today. The fact then will be that I have on a t-shirt. In other words, something can be a fact now that won't be a fact 10 minutes from now. But truth is going to be true forever. Truth never changes. And one of the things that Satan has always tried to do with us is distort our view of things with facts and deceive us into taking facts and combining them as being equal to truth. And the world calls that being rational. But God calls it evil. Another reason it was evil is it cost an entire generation the fulfillment of their destiny. Serious business, right? Now, let's, in the time we have left, let's try to zero in on this a little bit. Satan's efforts against mankind began with enticing us to make choices that would distort our vision. In other words, the long game that Satan plays against us, and we see it in the Garden of Eden, and it's very easy to talk about Adam and Eve, but the same strategy that, that Satan used against Adam and Eve is the same strategy that he's trying to use against you and me today. And that strategy was to alter the way they looked at things. Now, I don't know if we'll get there this, this morning, but you remember when the disciples despite having experienced the supernatural multiplication of food on two different occasions, they get in a boat to take a trip with Jesus and start freaking out because they don't have enough food. You see, what had happened there is they were looking at everything in their lives through a lens, L-E-N-S, a lens of lack. If I was to put on a pair of yellow glasses and now I'm looking through those yellow glasses, you realize 
that everything I look at is going to have a bit of yellow to it. Are you following what I'm saying here? In other words, whatever lens you look through, it doesn't just affect one or two you know, related areas to your life. Over a time of, you know, these were businessmen, some of them were fishermen. Think about it now. Fish wasn't just for them something that you ate. Fish was dollars for them. They caught fish. They sold fish. They marketed fish. They, they looked at their provision from the perspective of how many fish have we caught today? And how much can we sell those fish for in order to have what we need for our families? So I know you probably already understand it, but let me just make sure. So notice, in this situation, what were they looking to? They were looking to the fish. And what you look to becomes the lens you look through. So now that they are looking to the fish for their provision, for their, you know, let's say they want to add on to their house. Well, they, they already think in terms of how many more fish we got to catch per week for this period of time in order to have enough money to add a room onto our house. In other words, you see what I'm saying? Everything then becomes filtered through. They look at everything in their lives through the lens of how many fish have we caught today? How many fish do we have, right? That's, that's the lens. So they get in the boat. Jesus starts trying to teach them. And because they look at everything through the lens of lack, this lens of how many fish do we have and, 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 and how many people will they feed and how much can we sell them for, all of this, right? Are you hearing me? So Jesus starts talking about food. And notice they see... They're trying to understand, they're looking at what he's saying to them through that lens. And they're like, oh man, I can't believe we didn't pack any food. Man, Jesus is going to be so upset with us, we're going to go hungry today. There's no telling how long, I mean, where are we even going? Who knows if there's anything there for us to buy for food. You know, I mean, Jesus would go out into the middle of nowhere. And next thing you know, 7,000 people's out there to hear what he's got to say. Man, my stomach's already hungry. I just, you know, I just, I just grabbed a few crackers for breakfast thinking that was, you know, I brought the lunch last time, man. Who's, who, y'all can't just keep waiting on me to bring the lunch every time. Notice, see, everything is, is about this. They're reasoning among themselves. But when you reason among a group of people that all see things through the same lens as you, guess what you're going to come up with? Because you're all looking at it the same way. Now, God brings people into your life who look at things differently. He brought Jesus into our lives and he looked at things differently. And what did the religious establishment do? They killed him. Because we have this tendency of not liking it when people challenge our ways of looking at things. And so this is why people tend to find pastors who talk to them, right, in agreement with the lens they're already looking through. We, we seek out people who look at life through the same lens as us. Because we like for people to agree with us. 
We like for people to tell us how smart we are. Are you hearing me? We like to be in control of things. And we don't like people asking us questions that make us uncomfortable. And so we find a bunch of folks who all look at things the way we look at them. Now notice, that can be a good thing. Are you hearing me? But my job is not just to tell you what you want to hear. My job is to challenge you. Amen. My job is to say, hey, you know, what if there's a different way of looking at money than the way you've looked at it your whole life? What if there's a different way of looking at parenting the way you've looked at it your whole life? What if there's a different way of looking at marriage than the way you've looked at it your whole life? What if there's a different way of looking at your Heavenly Father than the way you've looked at it your whole life? What if there's a different way of looking at your salvation than the way you've looked at it your whole life? What if there's a different way of looking at righteousness than the way you've looked at it your whole life? What if there's a different way of looking at yourself than the way you've looked at yourself your whole life? Because how you see it is going to determine how you experience it. And we keep looking for some magic potion, some peel, some you know, set of principles or whatever that will alter our life experience and, and we just keep looking through the same lens. If I'm looking through a yellow lens and I'm tired of seeing yellow, it doesn't matter what I try to do to change it. As long as I'm looking at everything around me through a yellow lens, I'm going to keep seeing yellow. And as long as I look at everything around me through a lens of lack, I'm going to see lack everywhere I go. And what happens if you look at life through a lens of lack? You start living selfishly. You ask how many of God's people look at, look at life through a lens of money? That's what Jesus is going on to say here, right? He says, listen, you can't serve God and money. Can't, you can't serve both, and you're not the exception. Don't think you're the only one that's ever lived that could do it. No, you can't. Because, again, whatever you look to, see, if you look to money as your, as your source of security, if you look to money as your source of happiness, if you look to money as, as your source of, of, of receiving and getting and obtaining all the things that you want to get, receive, and obtain in life, if, if that's what you look to, then that becomes the lens you look through. And so now everything becomes about money. It's getting quiet up in here. And you were never meant to live in this world with the same lens that looks at this world as the lens everybody else in this world looks at this world through. Amen. All right, praise God. You still with me? So, Satan's efforts against us, and when I say mankind, I'm talking about our uh, original father and mother, Adam and Eve. Satan's efforts against them was to entice them to make choices that would distort not just their vision, but the vision or the way people looked at things that came after them. Now, I believe that Adam and Eve's entire bodies were filled with light until they were enticed to look to and then eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, they had a single eye. They had a good eye. They had a, an eye that was singularly focused on good. As a matter of fact, they were so singularly focused on good, and God is good. God is tov. Everything he makes is tov. That's what it, the word in the, 
in the original language is T-O-V, and this church's address is 4215 Tove Boulevard. There's a long story there, but we don't have time for it right now. But when God said it's good and it's very good, he said it's Tove and it's very Tove. And until they rebelled against God and went their own way, they had a one-track mind. We could say it that way. See, we think that's a bad thing. A, a one-track mind, if it's the mind of Christ, is the best thing that could ever happen to you. Meaning everything you look at, you look at the way Jesus looks at it. Man, she's just got a one-track mind. What do we say that sometimes about somebody has got a one-track mind? Is they become so obsessed with one thing in life that it's like nothing else matters. Right? You with me? See, we, we don't know what it's like to, to, to live with the ability to only see good. And then, again, rational people would say, man, that's dangerous. No, that's not dangerous. What could, the de- what could the devil do on planet Earth tomorrow if no one listened to him or did anything he suggested? He could do a thing. He could not do a thing. Let's turn to it for a few minutes. Praise God. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Amen. Amen, amen. Now, we're going to go honor mom today, and, and so I know you've probably got some things that you've got planned, but let's just, a few more minutes. Can you stay with me a few more minutes? Yes? All right, Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, I know you probably got it, but let's, I'm going to give you the English Standard Version of verse 1, and I think it really makes it more clear. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field and the Lord God had, that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now notice what he's doing here. You've got all these trees. Remember what God said. He said, every tree in here I've made for you to eat. It's good. It's good for food. It'll, it'll, it'll be a blessing to you. It'll be life to you and all this other stuff, right? He says, just eat and enjoy every one of them. He says, but the one tree, the knowledge of good and evil, it's mine. It belongs to me. Don't touch it. And if you touch it, you'll die. And, and, and they understood that. Now, what is Satan trying to do? He's trying to get them to look at the tree with the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil on it, he's trying to get them to see that tree in a different light. He's trying to mislead them. He's trying to get them, let me say it it a different way. He's trying to get them to look at it differently than the way God told them to look at it. Okay? So in order for him to do that, the first thing he's got to do is redirect their focus to it. And so he says to Eve, hey, I got a question for you, sister. Did, did, I can't believe God put all these trees in the garden and told you you can't eat any of the fruit in any of these trees. He knew that's not what God said. He's fishing, right? And so what does she say? She goes, oh, no, we can eat of all the fruit of, of the trees, but we can't eat the fruit from that one. Now, notice what he just did. He got her to focus on that one. Now that he's got her focus on that one, 
the serpent says, let me go back. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said, you'll not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Now let's go back to verse 4 because Eve says it just like it is. God said, you shall not eat of it nor shall you touch it lest you die. And then the serpent says... You'll not surely die. Now, I want to, again, I'm trying to get you to see what the devil is doing here because this is what he's trying to do to every single one of us. So he is in essence saying, when she said, No, if you touch that tree, eat that tree, fruit from that tree, you'll surely die. And the devil goes, I'm paraphrasing now, just watch this. The devil goes, Well, you know, I mean, that's one way of looking at it. That's, that's one way of looking at it. Let, let me, let me, offer to you another way of looking at that tree are you seeing what he's doing he says satan says god god knows something here that you don't know and what he hasn't told you yet is that if you eat of that tree your eyes will be open and you'll be like him knowing good and evil that word knowing there again is talking about experiential knowledge so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food so notice now she's seeing it differently she's looking at it differently or let me say it another way her vision of the tree has become distorted she's been misled she's been given a false impression and now she is about to act on it Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed the fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, there's a few phrases in here. Um, your eyes will be opened. When she saw, emphasis mine, saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and then it says, the eyes of both of them were open. So, can you, can you at least get a flavor of what this is all really about? It's Satan trying to get them to see things in a different light. This is what it means, if the light that is in you be darkness, how great is the darkness? Again, light's the ability to see. But if your ability to see is distorted... In other words, if you're looking through a lens of facts instead of a lens of truth. So notice now, they looked at it. They saw it in a different light. But then they looked to it. What does that mean? They looked to it. What you look to, right, you look through. So the difference between looking at something and looking to something is that they now saw the tree as a source. They looked to the tree, 
believing that the tree was going to do something for them, was going to improve their existence some way, it was going to make something better, or let me say it another way, they looked to the tree for an answer. Are you seeing this? This is, this is what it means to look to. Looking to money is more than just considering finances. Looking to money involves this element of trust. It involves this element of expectation. It, looking to something means that you're, you're, you're putting your confidence, your hope in whatever that thing is to do something in your life that you can't seem to make happen by yourself. Now, the Hebrew word translated eye is interesting here. It means aperture, like we get that word in cameras, right? It means fountain or spring. Aperture, fountain, or spring. So here's what happened when Adam and Eve ate that fruit. When they ate that fruit, they died. They didn't die physically, they died spiritually, which, which means their spirit connection with God was severed. And the light, listen very carefully, I feel some of you easing away from me. Stay with me just, just, just a couple more minutes. When they, that connection with God was severed, the light that flowed, watch this now, light flowed from him because God is light through the spiritual connection that they had with God and the light that flowed from him into them flowed through them. This is how Adam was able to name every living thing. It's because everything that God brought before him to name, he saw it in the light of the one who created it. But when they sinned, those lights went out. The light that flowed from God into Adam and through Adam, it was shut off. And at the same time, an aperture called your eye allowed light from outside source into them. Meaning what? The ability to see things in a way that God never intended. Amen. All right, stand with me this morning. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Let me, let me just give you, as you we're fixing to pray, but let me give you a little preview of, of where we're headed, okay? Now, <clears throat> the thing that the devil wants to do with you and me, we see it, in, in, in Eve and Adam, and then we see it when the disciples are in the boat, and that is this idea of reasoning among ourselves. Right? They reason among themselves. Eve reasoned within herself. The disciples reasoned among themselves. Now, I'm going to state the obvious. Jesus speaks to them, and they reason among themselves to come to a conclusion about what he meant when he was sitting right there in the boat with them. Real simple, but let me make sure you see it. Who should they have been reasoning with? Jesus. 
One of Satan's key strategies that he uses against us is he wants to get you reasoning among yourselves and not reasoning with God. God invited you in Isaiah 1. He says, come now and let us reason together. God wants to be the one to reason with you. He's the one that you need to carry your questions to. He's the one that you need to, he's the only search engine you need. Google has replaced God for a lot of people in that they're trying to find an answer or solution to something and rather than asking God about it, they Google it. It's the international reasoning community, right? You can pull up 7 million uh, hits on a Google search now. I mean, that's just more confusion. 12 men in a boat, right? 13 counting Jesus. He's sitting right there with them. They're not reasoning with him. What should Eve have done? Father, this, this, he's telling me that this, this doesn't sound right to me. This, isn't, this sounds different. Right? She should have reasoned with him. You are very vulnerable. I need to say this, so listen to me very carefully. You are very vulnerable to spiritual influence when you start reasoning within yourself. Because one of the devil's favorite tricks is to put thoughts and ideas in your mind and convince you that they're your own. And when you're having that little internal conversation with yourself trying to figure out what to do, you need to make sure who's sitting, you know, who's sitting at the table with you. So when you start reasoning within yourself, you become vulnerable to spiritual influence, both holy spiritual influence as well as demonic spiritual influence. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you, Father, that you have given us eyes to see and you've given us ears to hear and you've given us hearts to understand. And Father, I thank you this morning that our eyes are not slow to see, our ears are not dull to hear, and our hearts, Father, are not slow to understand. But Father, you are unlocking our understanding. Jesus, you came. You've been anointed by your Father. You've been anointed by your Father to recover our sight and to, to supernaturally and divinely give us the ability to see this world. Not from a view that comes from this world, but to see this world and our place in it and, and who you are and what you have for us to do for you in this world through a lens of heaven. Father, thank you for revealing to us the error that we often veer off into when we start reasoning amongst ourselves or within ourselves and exclude you from the conversation. Father, whatever anyone in this room may be facing, whatever situation, whatever family, whatever financial, whatever uh, employment crisis issue, or whatever anybody in this room or anybody listening to me right now may be going through, Father, I pray that you would give us right now the wisdom to stop reasoning, stop reasoning amongst ourselves and start reasoning with you about it. To seek your heart, to seek your mind, to seek your perspective on whatever that thing is. And we thank you for it, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen.
and amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus.